Welcome to Hope for the Home. Here at Faith Baptist Church, we take the home very seriously. We believe that God's Word will give us just what we need to heal, to build, to encourage, and to strengthen our families. On this new podcast, you'll hear various speakers bring their personal lives and the Word of God together and apply these truths to dating, marriage, training of our children, even growing old together. I'm sure you'll enjoy these messages based on the Word of God. There will be new messages every week, and it's our prayer that these messages will bring you hope for the home. a heated argument driving through the country and they passed a field full of pigs routing in the mud. He looked at his wife and said, relatives of yours? And she replied, yes, in-laws. Okay. <laughs> Bob and Mary had been married for some time and Bob decided that in addition to her household chores, Mary needed to mow the grass. Well, Mary was having some problems. The lawnmower wasn't running very well. and She repeatedly reminded Bob that the lawnmower wasn't running well, but he didn't do anything about it. One day to get his attention, when he came home, she was sitting in the yard with a small scissors cutting the grass. That didn't bother Bob. He went in the house and got a toothbrush and said, when you're through with this, sweep the sidewalk. <laughs> the doctor's report said that Bob will walk again, but he'll always have a limp. Amazing how, how we do that. Sometimes we laugh to cover embarrassment. Amen. I want to talk to you. For me to talk about marriage and family in this church seems a little redundant. I only have one thing that your pastor doesn't have, and that's more years. And so I want to talk to you tonight to open your Bible to chapter, Psalms chapter 37. Psalm chapter 37. As I read through the Bible, any time I read a verse or something that talks about children and so forth, I underline it. And this one has helped me a lot, and we're going to talk a little bit about it. Psalm 37, verse 25. It says, I have been young, and now I'm old. That's me. And I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Boy, that's exciting to me. I don't know what that does to you, but that's exciting to me. For those of y'all that have confidence in Washington, D.C., I've got some real estate I'd like to say in the middle of the desert. But, but really and truly, this is where it's at. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. But first, we'll interrupt this message in a word with our sponsor, the one who fearfully and wonderfully made us, the one who, even as you sit here, is monitoring the one quadrillion simultaneous chemical reactions taking place in every cell of your body at exactly the right reaction rate by controlling the temperature by the dial and the constriction of the capillaries. But you're glad you have to remember that. We're going to talk to the guy that put 250,000 nerve cells in this eye, 250,000 nerve cells in this eye, sending 10 billion bits of information to your brain every second, bringing up images faster than 1,000 laptop computers, or else it wouldn't be very safe to drive, would it? And we're going to talk to God that we just take all that for granted. One conclusion we can draw is Darwin didn't have a clue. And we're going to talk to the guy, listen to this, who decided marriage was going to be the first institution he set up. Wow. 
we're going to talk to a God that's given us instructions on it. Let's pray. God, you sure are good, and I sure am glad to be here. Thank you, thank you, thank you for this church, for the way that it stood in this community, for the blessing that has been to Hiles Anderson College and all that it's done for me personally. Please, God, speak through me to these folks tonight. Help us, Lord, to leave here loving you more, serving you better, and making a difference for God, for good, and forever. Amen. Do you go through your life thinking, uh, boy, if I can just get to such and such a date, things will be easier? If we can just make it through Bible school, things will be easier. My favorite day of the year is the day after the big day. If we can just get there. And and, and what it amounts to is we're dope addicts. We're living for the date of perceived easiness. D-O-P-E. And and, and nowhere is that more uh, preeminent than in raising children. I remember when we were going to have our first child, I got to thinking, my wife has her master's degree in preschool child training. We're going to be okay. And boy, about a week after the first child got there, Spock went in the trash can, and my wife color-coded the entire book of Proverbs because we think it's going to be easier. I said, if I can ever get them housebroken. Did you know when our first child was born, they didn't have disposable diapers? My two thumbs look like pin cushions, putting those diapers on. You know, 10 and 12 a day and things like that. And I said, if I get them housebroken, it'll be easier. Data perceived easiness. And I said, if I get them where they dress themselves, it'll be easier. It didn't get that way. And then you say, if I can get them where they can help around the house, <laughs> that didn't work either. And, and, uh, and if I can just get through another science fair. It, do you have science fairs here? It'll be easy. Yeah, yeah. Data perceived easiness. Or how about this? Another candy bar sale. It'll be easier. Yeah, yeah. We, we, how about that? If, if I just get them to where they can drive themselves around so I don't have to spend two hours a day hauling them places, it'll get easier. If I get them where they graduate from college, it'll get easier. If I get them married, it'll get easier. Wrong, 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 wrong. So those of y'all that are pondering this stuff, thinking there's a date of perceived easiness in your life, wrong. Well, I remember I used to just pray for Kelly, Kevin, and Kristen and Keith. Now I pray for Raphael and Kelly, Sarah, Stephen, Scott, Samuel, Simon, and Susanna, Kevin and Dawn, Nashley and Trent, and Trevor, Trey, Kristen, Kristen, Derek, Carissa, Wesley, and Ryan, and Keith, Michelle, and David, and Peter, and Joseph. It doesn't get easier. Well, I used to know where my children were at night. Now they're scattered all over the country. You say, man, it gets easier. I mean, did you know I lay on three grand, I got three grandchildren buried in our church cemetery, which is on my bus ride. I lay on their graves every Saturday morning about 7 o'clock. It doesn't get easier. We've been through deaths and broken necks and everything else. It doesn't get easier. You say, is God in it? Everybody go, hmm. How'd it go with Mary? Behold the handmaid of the Lord. And Jesus, did it get easier? It really didn't, did it? Why in the world do we think we're exceptions to all this? But you know, the tougher the battle, the sweeter the victory. I get to listen to my sons preach. Both, all, all four of my children graduated from Howells Anderson College. All four of my children married someone they met at Howells Anderson College. Careful scientific study has proven conclusively that most people marry people they meet. It's amazing how that works. And and then there's a downside. Did you know I did three science fairs last year? And only God knows for sure how many candy bars I sold. 
I'm selling in three states now. Man. But realize it's not going to get easier. Enjoy where you are right now and spend time with them while you can. The most precious commodity in the whole world is time. Did you know forever and forever the future is in this direction? Forever and forever the past is in that direction. And here goes the present. Blip. How does it go? Blip. Boy, don't live for the blip. Make the most of it. Use your present to plan your future to enjoy your past. Time is where it's all at. And, and so, anyhow, here's some things that we did. Come up here, my lovely wife. Don't miss a step in rearing your children. Step number one, rear them in a good church. Move if you have to. I remember, I didn't go to Hiles Anderson College because I was spiritual. I took my 60% pay cut and did what no right-thinking southern boy would do. I went north. I can remember like yesterday, my mother said, Pete, if you're bad, when you die, you'll go north. But get them in a good church. Move if you have to. And listen to this. Support all the authorities enthusiastically. Did you know it's possible, it's not possible, it's probable, it's likely that your children will get a bad deal sometime. You know, all the folks in that good church are human beings too. And so you shouldn't really be too surprised. And so, uh, then how about this? Live at home like you live at church. Are you one thing to your children at home and another thing at church? You know, use the present wisely. Does that make you want to say anything yet? <laughs> it's impossible to speak without breathing, so when she takes the breath, she goes, no, I just, I, we live in a very rebellious generation. You know, as you look around, it seems like the whole emphasis in our society is for everyone to do their own thing and, and do what they feel like doing. And no parent is ever objective when your children are concerned. You know, obviously our children are the most brilliant, beautiful, wonderful children in the world. Now, we may not say that, but inside we believe it. But I remember several occasions when we felt like our children were not treated fairly. But my husband had already uh, decreed that we would do nothing about it. Because when you criticize any authority over your children, you are tearing down your own authority. And I remember a lot of times just having to bite my lip, you know, or my tongue to keep from saying it. But, but I've, we, if you just keep your mouth shut, you will live long enough to see that the same people that may have mistreated your children, and we've all mistreated people, you know, who can say we haven't? It's, it's a human problem. But I, well, we've lived long enough to see the same people who may have been at fault with our children were used in later years to be the biggest blessing to them. And you never know what authority will be the one your child needs at any certain stage. And I 
remember praising God that we said nothing when God used this one man to help our son. And, of course, you could help him, but God had that man to help him. And I will always be grateful for my husband's wisdom in saying that we would not question the authority. Yeah, one guy gave our kids a bad deal. A lot of them did, but this was particularly bad. But we bit our tongue, and that man turned out to be one of the biggest blessings in my children's life later. Boy, I'm glad we didn't gripe. Let's see, get them in a good church, support all the authorities enthusiastically, then make sure they're in a good Christian school. And support all the teachers enthusiastically. How do you think your children are going to feel about their homework if you gripe about it? Just get involved. You might learn something in the process. And by the way, you're spending time with them. Oh, I'm supposed to tell them how they did their homework. I forgot. Look, my kids did their homework or they're in trouble. What am I supposed to tell them? No, I just... Um... By the time our children, we always saw, I always saw when they were little that they did their homework. And then when they got older, they, they by the time they finished fourth grade, they you didn't have to tell them to do their homework. They would do it. And then they would ask for help. And when they got up very far, then my husband had to help them because, you know, when they get up to math and all that stuff, I couldn't help them. But the reason I'm mentioning this is that as my husband and I have taught at Hal Zanders for 35 years, and it's sad that we have students there who never learned to do their homework. I mean, it is, and you know, to, they should have learned that back in your home. So don't worry when your child calls you mean or says anything about you because they need to learn the character of doing their homework when they're young and they will praise you when they get older and are in a position to need that character later on. And I think you would be doing your children a great favor. And get your children involved in every church and school activity. Every one. Boy, and some of them I thought were pretty stupid. But they were there. And I didn't tell my children that. We did that enthusiastically. There's a word I keep saying, enthusiastically. Literally, that means filled with the Spirit of God. Okay, entheus. So, so get excited about that. And... I remember one time I took my two sons and another guy, and we went whitewater rafting at Shotgun Eddie's way up in the Menominee Indian Reservation in Wisconsin. Boy, we were going over waterfalls. Eagles were flying over. We were soaked. We were wet. We were bruised, but we lived through it. I said, man, no one could do that. The next week, Brother Eddie took the junior high kids on the same trip. So, but so that, but they all came back. Okay. So, and then make them a part of your ministry with enthusiasm. Apart from my job, I decided we would never do anything that didn't involve a family member. We did the bus ministry as a family. And uh, when my kids were little, I didn't tell them shut up for Jesus. We went until they got genuinely tired. Then we went home. And, and we never had the question. They were always rode the bus. We rejoiced with the victories. They're all excited about it. And uh, I've got two granddaughters down here that are still riding buses to church. The bus ministry is a phenomenal training ground. You can, your children, we'd come home and I'd say, Kevin, did we visit anywhere today where the TV was off? No, Daddy. Did we visit anywhere today where the parents made their children do anything? No, Daddy. Their children did whatever they want. Yes, Daddy. Would you trade places with them? No, Daddy. You know, they see. You can do that. So with enthusiasm. 
You know, every, every ministry is really good, but you know, w- because we love the bus ministry, that our children just learned learned to love it, and all of our grandchildren still ride buses to church. We, she mentioned Raphael. Now, this this will be his seventeenth year as a bus captain on one of our routes, and he's brought thousands of people to church. His route always has a lot of people on it, but all of his sons now are his son Stephen Cervantes, who just graduated from Heaven Baptist, is helping run another one of our buses and I think the whole secret is to love the people you know if you're just doing it because it's a job and something you have to do you won't really last very long but if you do it because you love people and because you see the struggles that children your age are facing and I I think it gives them compassion I've seen I've seen our sons weep you know I know that um, when Kevin broke, was a drunk driver, hit him and broke his neck, Keith actually became a bus captain in Chicago before he even went to college because it was Kevin's route. And I remember Keith telling about a story when he went visiting with Kevin on the route and he said Kevin literally got on his knees begging a mother to let her, her children ride the bus. And I know Keith said, our younger son Keith said, I really was embarrassed. You know, here's my, my brother who's this big athletic person on his knees begging these, this mother to let her children ride the bus. And he just said, I just kind of stepped off to the side and thought she might not notice me. But he said, after being on there a little while, then I found myself doing the same thing because he said I had lost my heart to the children there. And, um, so that's really what life is all about, losing your heart to people and wanting I know you know Ashley mentioned being the, on the bus when Kevin and Don were in Chicago every time they had a child that was the bus promotion for the week you know come and see the new baby <laughs> yeah my, my son my, well, my grandson was on the bus coming from Chicago when his, he stopped breathing and his mother kept shaking him and they had to put him on a monitor. What happened then? Well, he rode the bus with a monitor. I mean, that was just a way of life, and it's still working. By the way, that son is pretty active in the bus ministry now, too. So get excited. Psalm 37. Let's look at that one more time. It says, I have been young, and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread. I wonder what the righteous is like. He is ever merciful, and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Oh, my seed is blessed. Depart from evil, and do good, and dwell forever." more. Let's see, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to be merciful. Merciful. I don't know a better way to be merciful than ministering for others. Ever merciful. It keeps coming back. Ever merciful. Lending. Lending. Did you want to say something? You know, I don't want you to think that we didn't have any problems or anything else, you know, on the bus ministry. All my bruises are here. <laughs> no, but, um, but if, if you were, we always worked as a family doing everything, you know, and I, um, I remember one time we decided in our church in Tennessee that, that we had a lot of really poor children on our route, and so we would ask the church members, who really weren't involved in the buses, that if they would just bring some good toys, and we would, you know, clean them up and then give them out for Christmas, and I never will forget get we put boxes in our church and the children were very excited about it. I told them they could help decide you know which children got what toy 
And when we took those boxes home, we had trucks with the wheels missing, dolls with the legs off. <laughs> and our children were appalled. And, you know, they just said, we can't give this. I mean, who wants a Christmas present and a truck that won't even run or a doll that you can't even play with? And so they went in and got their own toy. You know, they just, of course, they had plenty of them. But, you know, I think they began to realize that you don't give junky things to children that you love and that you want to be good to. I remember our daughter, Kristen, is Carissa's mother. When she was in high school, we lost one of our song leaders on the bus. And so my husband said, okay, Kristen, you can be the song leader. And there were other teenagers on the bus. She says, oh, Daddy, I think I'd be embarrassed to be the song leader on the bus. He said, well, Kristen, you know, you have been yelling your lungs out leading chairs at the high school. You have been singing in front of people since I don't know how long, so I guess you'll just lead the songs and be embarrassed. And, you know, she did. But, you know, if you really love your children, you you have a team effort, they will do things even if they don't want to do them. So he's ever merciful when he lends. And I think lendeth here means giving without expecting anything back in return. Now, the good thing about it is you can't do that. I promise you, if you give it away, God will give it back to you. And, and these girls see that on tour on a daily basis. So he's ever merciful. He lends. He departs from evil. That's separation. Did you know marriage is based on separation? Did you know after we got married, I changed my lifestyle? Did you know I wore this right here? Isn't it embarrassing? Everybody know you're married. Yeah. Praise God. Get excited. Did you know you can be excited about being saved? Did you know grinning is not sinning? Just thought I'd point that out. And, and if you get excited about being married, maybe you'll have children someday that are excited about being married too. And so you, you're ever merciful, you land, you depart from evil. And uh, did you know a good way to depart from evil is to be too busy to do anything wrong? When my kids were, in, my sons were in school, I made them get involved in sports nine months a year. Now they were reasonably good, but the good thing is when they came home, they were too tired to do anything else. I mean, it never occurred to them to go out and sit on the corner and get in trouble. They were too tuckered. And so keep them busy doing right. And then it says, and uh, do good. Best way I know to do good is to soul win. And we got all sorts of exciting stories about that. And dwell forevermore. Did you know God has a foolproof inescapable way of showing you when it's time to quit teaching your Sunday school class, quit going so when and quit running the bus route. It looks like this. Okay? I'm, I mean, you don't have to wonder if it's God's will then. So until then, keep it up. And with regard to marriage, I'm still excited. I am married to the world's foxiest grandmother. Forevermore. It's okay. And it works. And it's exciting. Did you have anything else you wanted to say? No, I love soul winning, and we our children just grow up doing that on tour. We see, but they told, but they every one of them have had people saved on tour, and we do every week. Um, one of them we had, one of the girls left her cell phone for the third time in the ladies' restroom at a truck stop. Shine, <laughs> Wyoming. If you didn't raise your hand, I wouldn't have told him who it was, Katie. But anyway. <laughs> But um, so my husband had told her after the second time that if she left it again, that it was going to be gone. You know. So, but anyway, um, the, the lady from the truck stop called and said they had found it. We were at it. the church setting up the sound system. Yes. We got a phone call. <laughs> Did somebody here lose their cell phone? 
Okay. Thank, and so, you know, they had. So, so we'll just pick it up on our way out of town on Sunday afternoon, I think it was. when That was Saturday when she lost it. But, but anyway, my husband weakened. <laughs> so he, after they quickly set the sound system and they went back over there. And so it ended up the girl who found the phone got saved. The other cashier in the love truck stop got saved. And as we were walking back to the van, a family who had been camping that weekend and had stopped the truck stop ran, asked why all the girls were dressed alike. The girls sang for them, and they all came to the service the next day. So, you know, the Bible says, I guess all things do work together for good. But so many is exciting. And um, I, when our little grandson was, I think he was not, not even three, was Joey three? They, and our grandchildren all go out visiting on the bus route. And he was sitting in his car seat. They were getting ready to leave for the day, and he was sitting back there in the car seat. And all of a sudden, Michelle, our daughter-in-law, as she's walking around to get in her car, hears somebody say, Do you know for sure you're going to heaven? And, you know, the man on the street stopped because he couldn't see anybody <laughs> on the street. <laughs> so... So anyway, Michelle knew what it was, and so the man is now looking all around to see where this voice come, had come from, and she got out of the car. It was Joey looking, talking out the window from his car seat, and so Michelle got back on the sidewalk and led the man to the Lord. So, you know, it, if you are concerned about souls, then it's natural for your children to be concerned. Amen. So anyhow, one exciting thing, and for those that don't know, it's 51 years ago on a date. Has everybody seen this? With a beautiful girl. I gotta start at the beginning. Okay, I went to University of Tennessee. Not going to be bothered with anything as vague or abstract, abstract, requiring as much faith as this book. I was going to get it up here. I was going to find out what life is all about. And I remember thinking, boy, I'm about to get the facts. Sitting in my freshman chemistry class, the teacher comes in, curved halls, curved walls, curved ceiling, acoustically perfect, no PA needed, big periodic table, the elements on the wall behind the teacher, and he could punch buttons and light them up. And I'm sitting there at my desk thinking. Now, Pete, you're going to find out what life is all about. And the teacher comes out. People who are educated beyond their intelligence and liberal, and liberal newscasters move their mouths more than they need to when they speak. And so he comes out. Ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to study the atom. I'm thinking, yes, the atom. No one has ever seen an atom. No. No one has ever seen an atom. And in this atom, which no one has ever seen, are three subatomic particles. That was in 1957. When I finished Georgia Tech with my doctorate nine years later, we had over 20 subatomic particles. You didn't know God was still creating. You didn't know we now have massless particles. Massless particles, intelligent blondes, and government workers. But anyhow... sitting there thinking and finally it dawns on me it takes a lot of faith to believe in atoms and the more I thought about the more I realized all learning is by faith a long time ago your teacher said boys and girls this many is two and everybody said I believe no one jumped up and said prove it you say well I can't live by faith you're driving on the freeways around here aren't you Man, you not only have faith, you have faith in all those other idiots. I'd rather have faith in God. But anyhow, 
But as I'm going through school, it's taken a conscious effort on my part to keep God out of the picture. But I figured he'd spoil my fun. Finally, in my junior year in thermodynamics, I read a statement that said, the second law of thermodynamics has increased this author's conviction that there is indeed a supreme being in whose hands lies the destiny of the universe. I got a cold chill. It started right here and worked its way down to both ankles. All you husbands, when you've been in an argument with your wife, when you suddenly realize you're wrong, you know that cold chill? starts right here and you know and, and you, you know how you fall to your knees you grab your wife around the ankles and say I'm sorry uh-uh you back up and say that has nothing to do with it but I remember going back to my dormitory room saying I can't fight it any longer I shut my door got in my bed beside my knees and prayed the world's scariest prayer it went something like this God I believe you're there but I don't know what to do if you'll show me I promise you I'll do it by the way that prayer works every time even after you're saved too I didn't know what would happen. My roommate and I were engaged in a contest to see which of us could date the most different girls. If we didn't have a date or two a day, we were losing ground. But one of the things we did is we went to football games early and saved seats. For you see, to the female of the species, time is an elusive concept. It was a Kentucky game three days later, November 1960. I'm sitting in the stands saving seats when a pretty girl comes by and says... Is that seat saved? No, but it's under conviction. No, but... <clears throat> no, have a seat. And we're sitting there, and over the south end of the stadium, we can see the Smokies in the distance. Mountains back east are not like these. These mountains around here are nude. We have covering on them called trees. <laughs> Man. But I remember looking at... I, I said, aren't the mountains beautiful? Yes, they are. Let's go to the mountains tomorrow. Tomorrow's Sunday. I know. Let's go to the mountains. I go to church on Sunday. I got a cold feeling. I said, oh, have you got a date tonight? Yes, I do. I do, too. I'll break mine. If you break yours, let's go out. Well, I don't do things like that. Oh, it's third quarter now, and I'm getting desperate. <laughs> Where could I take you on a date? You could take me to church tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> we had every other kind of day, so I said, okay, you won't believe it. We went to a Baptist church. She took her Bible to the Baptist church. When the preacher gave the scripture reference, and I'm looking at the alphabetical index of the books of the Bible, she knew where to turn. But listen to this. She enjoyed it. I thought church was where you went so God could get even with you for all the fun you had that week. <laughs> myself, this girl's different. You've got to get a legitimate date with her. It took a couple weeks, but I finally did, and I switched sides. The date is almost over. Unchaperoned. In my 1956 Dodge with a push-button transmission, dual antennas, dual exhaust, and a three-tone paint job, Brother Dunwoody. I'm driving back to the girl's dorm looking for a dark parking place. I have mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation in mind. I found one right on Temple Court in front of the dormitory, and I pulled in, and I punched the neutral button, pulled out the emergency brake, flipped off the headlights, shut off the ignition. We had bench seats and no seat belts. Slid across the seat and put my arm around her and said to myself, good move, Pete. And I turned to her with puckered lips. She was sitting there with her hands folded in her lap. Listen to this. When she uttered two magic words. Let's pray. Mm -hmm. 
took the pucker off my lips. I said, I can't. And she said, Do you know for sure that you're going to heaven one day? Nobody knows that. I do. Oh. She led me to Christ on a date. You say, boy, that's great. And it is, by the way. And I can tell you any time you ask me to the day how long we've been married because I'm excited about it. But I don't know what you did when you got saved. I said, God, you can relax a little bit. Now I'm on your side. And then I played a game. You've never played this game. It's called Let's Make a Deal. God, you let me win the lottery and I'll give 90% to you. You ever have something like No. But I, I said, God, you let me marry that girl, get a Ph.D. in engineering, a job teaching at the University of Tennessee, and we'll be the best church members you ever saw. By the way, God did all that. And we weren't happy. Why weren't we happy? Because we were serving God on our terms and not His. I prayed that scary prayer again in my office one afternoon before I went home. I said, God, if you show me what to do, I promise you I'll, I'll do it. My way ain't working. I went home, gave her a spontaneous hug. We had had many of those lately. We'd been arguing a lot. Do y'all save ammunition for the next argument? <laughs> Just checking. We did. And uh, I kissed her. Sort of surprised her. I said, free to babe by the grace of God. I'm not going to argue with you anymore. That spiritual giant that unashamedly led me to Christ on a date looked at me and said, huh. But two days later, after she picked at me and found I was real, we told God He could have it all. And this is what He showed us. He said, Pete, you could love me more in heaven. You could understand me more in heaven. And you could live perfectly in heaven. But there's one thing you can't do on heaven. In heaven that you can do on earth. Ye shall be witnesses. And we started soul winning. It changed our entire life. For the first time, we truly fell in love. And our children grew up soul winning well maybe just maybe if you'd pray that scary prayer about your family and about your children God would do the same thing for your marriage maybe let's pray Lord I sure do love you I sure do appreciate you I trust that message was an encouragement to you and your family Hope for the Home is designed to provide information encouragement and challenge that our homes would be more pleasing to God Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you won't miss any of the upcoming messages.